Welcome to the Rose Acumen Podcast. I'm Hawa McCauley, and in this episode, we'll look at the challenges that can arise from turbulent environments and the management tools used to navigate them. Peter Drucker's book, Managing in Turbulent Times, lists a number of strategies for businesses navigating rapid change. Drucker is considered a pioneer in management theory. His ideas and writings transformed companies like Toyota, General Electric, and Coca-Cola. I thought it would be helpful to examine these strategies through the experiences of an individual who navigated turbulent environments of her own. Maya Angelou is renowned for her writing, and in reading her autobiographies, I found that she practiced several of the key management strategies that Drucker describes. Drucker begins by stating that an enterprise has to be managed both to withstand sudden blows and to avail itself of sudden unexpected opportunities. This means that in turbulent times, the fundamentals have to be managed and managed well. In business, these fundamentals are liquidity, financial strength, and productivity. Most would agree that equivalent fundamentals for an individual would be personal and material well-being, as well as productivity. Angelo's early experiences provide examples of how she managed the fundamentals in her life. Her first memoir, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, describes her resolve to overcome the childhood trauma that left her afraid to speak for nearly a year. As a high school student, she sought work as a streetcar conductor and was surprised to learn that staff at the railway company thought her incapable of performing the role. Yet, she made her interest, motivation, and ability to do the work known. She writes in her 2013 memoir titled Mom and Me and Mom that for two weeks she returned to the office arriving earlier than the secretaries, timing her lunches to leave after them and quickly be back before they arrived. In that situation, she demonstrated that she could manage her time and would show up for an opportunity. For each new role she took on that required knowledge and experiences she lacked, she welcomed the advice of others, evaluated their perspectives, and committed to learning the skills needed for her success. In her second autobiography, Gather Together in My Name, she tells of her experience as a new mother overcome with guilt and self-doubt but determined to show that in her words, she was equal to her pride and greater than her pretensions. She found work at a restaurant called the Creole Cafe without sufficient knowledge of how to cook Creole food. She writes, I asked Papa Ford to teach me how to cook. I cooked and sweated among the cloying odors and loved being there. For over a month, I was embroiled in the mysteries of the kitchen with the expectancy of an alchemist about to discover the secret properties of gold. I thought it fitting and not at all unusual that they enjoyed my cooking. I was following Papa Four's instructions loosely and adding artistic touches of my own. These and other experiences indicate that Angelo creatively moved through turbulence, always keeping an eye on the fundamentals. She continued to avail herself of the opportunities presented to her, She then worked as a waitress doing evening shifts while taking classes at a modern dance studio during the day. She faced what Drucker would call a sudden blow in the form of an ending relationship and came to an important decision point. In a discussion with her brother Bailey, she says, I told Bailey of my great love affair, of the pain of the discovery of pain. 
He nodded understanding and said nothing. Then he said, I think it's time for you to leave San Francisco. She writes, although I was miserable in San Francisco, the idea of any other place frightened me. Bailey replied, if you want to stay around here looking like death, eating a soda cracker, that's your business. There are some rights no one has the right to take from you. That's one. Now what do you want to do? You may laugh at Bailey's phrasing, but it hints at the fundamentals. Maya weighed the advice of those she trusted, who she writes knew me too well, and decided that evening that she would go, saying, with that wisdom in my pouch, I was to go out and buy my future. With Bailey's help, she was able to withstand a sudden blow and avail herself of unexpected opportunities. Drucker offers more insight into turbulent times. He says, managing in turbulent times has to begin with a discussion of the new and different demands affecting the fundamentals of survival and success in the existing business. To manage the present business is not enough, but it has to come first. Angelo prioritized what Drucker calls the present business at multiple points in her life. Her ability to consistently learn and manage the fundamentals contributed to her longevity. Angelo also prioritized her productivity. In regard to productivity, Drucker writes that four key resources have to be managed consistently, systematically, and conscientiously for productivity. They are capital, crucial physical assets, time, and knowledge. In business, these are the four factors of production. And in this context, Angelo's willingness to avail herself of opportunities to grow enabled her to have sufficient amounts of the first two factors. The streetcar example showed Angelo's early understanding of time management, and her memoirs provide other examples of her regard for timeliness in the job she held. Her writings also show how she utilized knowledge to increase her productivity. Throughout her life, she challenged herself through literacy while searching for ways to improve her skills. She joined the Harlem Writers Guild in the late 50s and became an associate editor of the Arab Observer newspaper after moving to Egypt in 1961. She then moved to Ghana, where she was feature editor of the African Review while writing and performing shows for radio stations and Ghana's National Theater. Drucker has a lot to say about productivity. He says it's in part achieved by innovation. The shift of resources from old and declining employments to new and more productive ones. The productivity of the human resource, and especially of knowledge workers, requires that people are assigned where the potential for results are, and not where their skill and knowledge cannot produce results, no matter how well they work. This requires, first, that we know the strengths of people, and particularly of those with a proven record of performance. What do they do well? Where do they belong? It requires, secondly, that as far as possible, people are assigned where the application of their strengths can produce results. It requires that they are assigned to opportunities, and those opportunities that are the right ones for them. He continues saying, the productivity of people requires continuous learning. It requires that people are constantly challenged to think through what they can do to improve what they are already doing. Angelo knew her strengths, her purpose, and her weaknesses well. She capitalized on her strengths, found opportunities to practice her purpose, and applied knowledge to areas of weakness. She writes, dancing liberated me and even made me feel as if my body had a reason to be. 
She was confident in her ability to dance, but after catching the attention of talent scouts seeking performers for Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, she was concerned about her singing ability. She felt it was not at the level needed for a musical that balanced jazz and operatic singing. She worked with a voice coach to improve and writes, the friends I made in the cast taught me more about music in six months than I had learned in my whole life. Angelo excelled at the fundamentals and what Drucker describes as managing for tomorrow. He writes, the fundamentals pertain to today's enterprise, but all institutions live and perform in two time periods, that of today and that of tomorrow. Tomorrow is being made today, irrevocably in most cases. Managers, therefore, always have to manage both today, the fundamentals, and tomorrow. In turbulent times, managers cannot assume that tomorrow will be an extension of today. On the contrary, they must manage for change, change alike as an opportunity and a threat. In a chapter on managing innovation and change, Drucker writes, technological change is only a part of the story. Social change and social innovation should be equally important. He continues saying, we must therefore learn how to make the existing companies and particularly large companies capable of innovation. We need a strategy that will enable existing businesses first to identify the opportunities for innovation and then to give effective leadership in such innovation. Angelo innovated by taking on new opportunities, roles, and even careers throughout her life. She tried her hand at film with Georgia, Georgia, and became the first black woman to produce a screenplay in 1972. She then turned her talents to acting, receiving an Emmy nomination for her performance in 1977's Roots. She served on presidential committees for Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter, later becoming the first Reynolds Professor of American Studies at Wake Forest University. She wrote several children's books and published multiple collections of essays. A 2014 Forbes article titled, Why is Innovation So Hard?, explains that innovation, like critical thinking, does not come naturally to most people. Thinking differently is also hard emotionally. It occurs through an inefficient process of ideation, exploration, and experimentation. In order to innovate, we must change our attitude towards failures and mistakes. Angelo's lifelong approach to innovation is captured in her final autobiography, A Song Flung Up to Heaven. An editor at Random House asked her to write her first memoir, but she declined at the time because she was overwhelmed by the poetry and playwriting commitments she already had. He called her again and said, you may be right not to attempt an autobiography because it is nearly impossible to write autobiography as literature. She then writes, I didn't think I didn't have to. I said, well, maybe I will try it. I don't know how it will turn out, but I can try. That decision to try would become her first book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. In this episode, I've highlighted the management strategies that Maya Angelou used to navigate the turbulent environment she encountered. As a management theorist, Peter Drucker offers greater insights on managing in turbulent times. His chapters on managing the sea change and the challenges to management 
are especially worth reading for those within and leading organizations, given the geopolitical and technological changes we now face. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rose Acumen Podcast. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find these episodes and more at howarosemacaulay.com. The link to that website is in the description, along with other research and articles I've referenced for this episode. Once again, I'd love to get your feedback. Do you agree with Peter Drucker's assessment of managing in turbulent times? Have you read Maya Angelou's works and have additional thoughts in light of management theory? Please feel free to leave a comment, and as always, you can send other book titles that have impacted you in some way. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time.